The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. I don't know really how I can begin except to start off by saying thank you to everybody. Thank you for allowing me to go on a sabbatical. Thank you for covering the things that have been going on in the church. Thank you for everybody who stepped up and done new things or just covered things and made things in the church happen, even with all the weirdness of coming in and out of all sorts of changes that have been with COVID and regulations. I just want to say thank you to all of you, and uh, I really appreciate it. Um, And I sense, yes, this is a new season. That's been said, and I believe it is a new season. And uh, God has been good. I have had a a good time. It hasn't just been a time of sitting in a deck chair um, and just watching the sun. I mean, after all, there hasn't actually been that much sun, has there? So we can't say that. Uh, It's been a time of some humbling. Uh, Even last Sunday, I was humbled uh, quite dramatically. There, Helen and I were walking along the, the beachfront and just enjoying the wonderful sea, and the sun was out. It was a beautiful time. The next thing I know, I'm flat on my face. I've just fallen over. Uh, and uh, there's sort of noises and like kerfuffling going on around me, and I'm feeling a bit dazed and confused. I'm suddenly realizing I've grazed my knee, I've hit my face, my glasses have fallen off, and I hear this sort of young girl saying, oh, oh are you all right? And I thought, oh, you know, what, what, what's going on? And suddenly I realized that there's this group of young people, and they're concerned for this old bloke who's just fallen over, and I suddenly think, they can't thinking about me? They can't be thinking, who else? Somebody else fallen over. And I suddenly realized, no, this is me. You know, there was concern about me because I'm an older bloke and compared to them, even though inside I felt so youthful and still do. And suddenly, it was a very humbling moment. And, uh, you know, people are passing you tissues to wipe your face. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so there's been all sorts of experience that have happened. Um, but I'm very blessed to be back here. I have had the privilege of visiting some other churches, some great services, but there's nothing quite like home, is there? That's the truth. There's nothing quite like home. And I feel at home here, and I hope you feel at home here. And if you are a visitor here, and let's face facts, I don't know who's new or who's not because I haven't been here myself. But if you are a visitor here this morning, then I want you to feel especially welcome. You are welcome here. And the object of coming to this place isn't to hear me speak or just to sing songs. The object of coming to this place is that we're hungry for the presence of God. We need Him. God is the only one who can transform and change our lives. We listen to what other people say. You might be thinking, oh great, let's learn from what Jonathan's learned during the sabbatical time. And I, I hope that there are things that I have learned that I can pass on to you. Certainly I'll pass on to them freely to you. But the key is this. We need the presence of God. The presence of God changes our hearts, transforms our lives, and just adjusts us. And that's the truth. Uh, I started the sabbatical time really in one sense, not fearful, but there is a sort of an expectation. What is the expectation of the outcome? How's it all going to finish? Where do I start? And you've got lots of things buzzing around in your mind, thinking like, you know, what's going to happen at church? Have they remembered to do that? Oh, did I remember to pass that on? On all that sort of stuff. 
And so I deliberately decided not to be reading any books, not to be doing anything in particular for the first two weeks except just reading the Bible. In fact, I made it my aim in the first month to read the Bible right the way through. And I know that sounds quite a lot, but it's possible. And I did that. I read the Bible right the way through from beginning to end. And you know, as you read it in in large chunks like that, very quickly, you get a different picture. You see an overview of what God is trying to do. And there's various things that were impressed upon my heart during that time. Of you realize that God is a way, instructions that he wants to pass on to his people. That this is the way, walk ye in it. Can you just hold to this way? You see that so clearly as being laid out in the Old Testament. And then you, you get things like the Psalms, which is different people's versions of how they're trying to connect with God. And then you get the prophets, and then you get Jesus appearing on the scene. And Jesus is God who's come to earth. Can we believe that? If you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus Christ because he is God. And then you go into all the things about how as Christians we're meant to live. But the whole thing isn't like the Old Testament and the New Testament. The whole thing is together. It's one book that God has brought together for us to receive. And I read that and was very encouraged in doing so. And I want to encourage you as you will hear, nothing has changed from my previous message which is just read the Bible and pray, because that is very important. So that's still very fundamental. That hasn't changed. But I have noticed some other things, which I hope to be able to pass on to you during the weeks that that come along. I read a few books as well. One of the books that I read was given to me by a friend of mine before I started the sabbatical, and it was a book about spiritual formation. It's a book called An Invitation to a Journey, and I thought, okay, maybe maybe I'll read it. I didn't think it was quite for me, as it were. But there came a point I thought, oh, you know what, I'll read this book. I I, I will feel better for him if I've read the book so that then I can say, yes, I did read the book. Thank you very much for giving it to me. You know that type of... So that's the attitude I came to this book. And it's about spiritual formation. So it's really about talking about our spiritual journey. And as I started the book, I, I found it very helpful because it just reminded us that Christianity isn't, I've become a Christian, that's it. We're on a journey. Every one of us, I'm on a journey, still on a journey. You are all on a journey. We haven't reached the destination. We are still growing. We're still learning. We're still coming into understanding. We're still having things revealed to us. It's not that I know. It's that I am finding out. It's not that I know God, but I'm learning to understand him and get to know him better and better. Just as we experience with other relationships... You know, relationships start and you don't know very much about the person, but as that relationship continues and deepens, not only does your love and appreciation for the person deepen and and your understanding of their lives deepen, but so your knowledge and understanding of the whole of their lives and who they are and how they react, that that increases too. And that's the same for us in our spiritual journey with God. We're learning and we're understanding. So it's not that you've become a Christian. If you've become a Christian, praise God. But listen, you've not reached somewhere. You are part of God's plan for this earth, and he is using your life to help you right the way through. He has a plan and purpose, not just for your entry into the world, but your departure too, and everything that comes in between. So as I was reading that, great, you know, so I thought, okay, this book's quite good. I'll carry on. I'm I'm beginning to get the idea this book could be a little bit about, oh, there's other ways of reaching God, you know, silence and meditation. And I'm thinking, "I I don't know. As I'm reading, I don't know this is really up for me because I'm one who likes to go and like, okay, come on, let's pray. Now, come on, we need the presence of God. Let's seek God. And having experienced the whole thing of Uganda and how they, uh, the Ugandans pray and knowing that we want, it needs energy and strength and prevailing. And this book 
could be talking about something. I thought, ooh, this is getting a bit dodgy. <laughs> and so anyway, I, I, I've committed to read, so I'm reading. And it talks about this. He's talking about silence and the need to be silenced. And I'm thinking, like, as I say, I'm thinking, like, I don't know whether I like this. Because a lot of people in some particular branch of the church talk a lot about silence and its importance. But then I read what he talked about silence. And he says this, silence is bringing ourselves to a point of relinquishing to God our control of our relationship with God. Silence is a reversal of the whole processing, controlling, grasping dynamic of trying to maintain control of our own existence. Silence is an inner act of letting go. Now, when I read that, and I don't know whether that's made sense to you as you're listening to it, but when I read it, I thought, I understand what he's talking about. You see, so much we try to control our Christian lives. I'll give God this much space. I'll allow him this time. Or I'll come to church and I've given God his bit. Now I need to get on with the rest of my life. You're dealing with that issue all the time. It's called selfishness. It's called pleasing ourselves. That's not about Christianity. Christianity is surrender. is giving ourselves to God. God, you have your way whenever you want, whatever time. You do what you want in my life. But you see, so often we are constantly trying to control and limit and help. Oh, God, I'll give you, oh, I've got five minutes. I'll give that to you. Look, God, I prayed. Look how good I am. There's a sense in it. And I, I can feel that within myself. So when I'm reading about silence, it's not just that I go into a room and... To that point of awkwardness, you know what I mean? It's that if you choose to be silent, you are doing it with a focus in mind. You're coming to saying, God... I really have to stop trying to control you. I've really got to let things go. And so as I read that, and that understanding came to me, I found that very helpful. I thought, I'm not against silence. I'm absolutely for that type of silence, because that's about us going deeper with God. And so that book opened up to me, and I enjoyed the rest of that book and found it very helpful. And it opened the way for me to read a couple of other books which I'd had in mind, Humility by Andrew Murray, which I had on my bookshelf and I had read before, An Absolute Surrender by Andrew Murray, and I read both of those books as well. And as the time went on, the impact that they were having was, was deep. I felt it was deep. They were very challenging, very encouraging, and I want to encourage many people here to read those books if you've never read them, um, the Andrew Murray books particularly, because they, they're talking about our surrender, they're talking about uh, the way we live our lives. I haven't got time to perhaps go into all of it right now, but they were very helpful. Perhaps as we've only got a few minutes, I, I just want to look at one example really of what has affected me and a story in the Bible that I think will help to unpack a little bit of what um, I've been through. I am going through. I'm on a journey. I haven't reached the destination. I've learned a lot during this period of time. There's still much further for me to go. So don't look at my life and say, like, oh, he's got it together. It's like we're all on a journey. And what we want to do is to help each other grow and deepen because we want the presence of God. During this time, I, I hear various people who used to follow God who now find, do I believe in God? A lot of that is outside. A lot of that is in the church. A lot of that's happened to some people in the church 
during this period of time, this lockdown, when people have been separated. They're no longer going to church. Well, what was the point of going to church? I don't know whether I know God anyway. There's a desperate need for people to understand the reality of God and that he loves us, that he cares for us, and that he is for us, not against us. There's a desperate need. And that's not just outside the church. That's within the church as well. We want that security of knowing, can I really trust him? Will he really take me through? The answer is yes, he will. But it's a growing process that we have to go through to understand that. There was a man who came to Jesus, Luke 18, verses 18 to 27. And this story about the rich young ruler, it appears in Matthew and Mark. Both of those gospels also contain this story. But I'm going to read it from Luke. Luke 18 Uh, 18 to 27, a certain ruler asked him, this is asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. This is a young man, a young man who's probably part of the uh, rabbi's group. You know, he's a young man and because he's a young man and because he's wealthy, it's like he's, the doorway's been opened to him, okay? So he's there, but he's, he's, he's a young guy. He's obviously very well versed in the things of the law. He's obviously very well thought of, and this is the sort of person that he is. And he's come to Jesus, and he says, good teacher. But that's not as an acknowledgement of Jesus being a good teacher. It's almost like, you know, he's just trying to butter him up a little bit. That, that's the type of approach that it is that he's coming. He's, he's a bit of flattery that he's throwing at Jesus. But Jesus obviously isn't one to take flattery on board. Jesus turns around to him and says, well, why do you call me good? There's only one who is good. He's pointing him back to God. That's God. And then the man carries on. He says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. In other words, Jesus is saying to him, look, if you want to have eternal life, you've got to obey the commands of God. So he lays that out for the guy. And the guy is excited, I believe, at this point because of his reply. All of these, all of these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. And you can almost imagine the guy going, (laughs) We've got it right. I'm at the top here. I've done that. I'm in the right place. You can imagine it, can't you? That sense. And isn't that the sense of pride that we feel like, God, I've come to church. Look at me. I'm so good. I've actually been here, even through the whole COVID thing. I've been in church. Some have stayed away. Some have just been online. But I became. And there's that sense of, that's the sort of thing that we have within ourselves that this guy is exhibiting. That inner pride, I've got it right. All of these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Only Jesus. Only Jesus can do this. You think you've got to the top of the tree, and Jesus says, oh, hold on a second. Uh, There's just one thing, Just, just one thing. And it's almost like, oh, oh, just one thing, what's that? And Jesus says this to him, you still lack one thing, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come, follow me. Now, isn't it interesting that Jesus said that to him and then it goes on to say, verse 23, when he heard this, he became sad. 
because he was very wealthy. And this is what Jesus does. He looks at our lives. He finds that spot. This is what's hindering you from calling after me. For this guy, one moment before, he'd been like, you know, like the peacock. Feathers are all out. This is it. Next minute, feathers are all down. His head's down. He's going away. Why? Because you see, the one thing that Jesus put his finger on was the one thing inside. He instantly says, I can't do that. And what I found God speaking to me about, he's been talking about those things. You think like, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to give that up. I don't want to surrender my life completely to you. I want to be in control of this bit. Is it okay if I just have this bit? But you see, as Christians, our lives are no longer our own. We have been bought at a price. Now, the understanding of that is a little bit what I have seen more of. The understanding of what that means. And how we, we try to keep going without letting that happen too much. In other words, just like this rich young ruler, I want everything to be sorted before God. I want all things to be good. One thing, oh no, I can't do that because I'm very wealthy. And that can lead us to a thing of like, well, what hope is there? Let's read on. When he heard this, it says of this young man, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? And, and you get to this point where you think like, well, God, you know, what have I got to do? I've given my life to you. I've said my prayers. I pay my tithes. I come to church. For goodness sake, haven't I done everything? What more are you asking of me? I can't do that. It's impossible for man. You see, that's it. It's impossible for man. There is only one person who can get us out of that place. And that's God. I see, that's why we have to turn back to him. It's not a case of us just saying, like, God, look at me. I've done this. I've said this. I've, I've read the Bible in a month. Hey, that God to get me some more points for that. It doesn't mean anything. What matters is that we say, God, I need you. And we come back to the position that God wants us to be in in the first place, which is this. We are living dependent upon him. Not living independent, which is what I notice in my life I try to do most of the time. I want to do things my way, in my time, when I feel like it. But to live dependent, that is, God, what is it you want me to do? What is your will for this situation? Where do you want me to be? How do you want me to behave? Where do you want me to go? That's living dependent. And that switch from independence to dependence is something that we cannot do. What is impossible for man is possible for God. What is impossible for man is possible for God. So when you begin to recognize... Do you know what? I can't change. 
I can't get out of this. And maybe there are things that you have in your life which are those habitual sins, those things that disappear and then reappear, those sins that you confess and they're put down and it's sorted and then two months later it reappears again. Those things. It's impossible for you to overcome them. But it's not impossible for God. What is impossible for man is possible for God. And that is what Jesus says. What is impossible with man is possible with God. That's the key to this. It's the key to everything. Is that recognizing I have to let him in. I have to allow him to come in. And you see, for that rich young ruler, really, his situation was, Lord, I can't give up my wealth. I'm very wealthy. I don't want to give up my wealth. Why should I give up my wealth? And wealth, I believe, is just an example in this. The key issue is whatever it is that's holding your life. For him, it was his wealth. For somebody else, it may not be that. It might be something completely different. But for him, it was his wealth. That was holding him. And that's the point that Jesus said, I can see there's one thing. You might be living your life all right in these other areas, but there's just one thing, so I'll just mention it to you. Sell everything you have. You notice that Jesus says, sell everything you have, and then come follow me. Because you'll be in tune with me. But it was impossible. He went away sad. Now, I know there's various stories about uh, this guy came back at some other time and you know, he, he followed Jesus. There's people that tell us this is another character in the Bible. We don't know what's happened to him. But I can tell you this. Whatever he felt was impossible, it was possible for God to change. And whatever you feel is impossible in your life, whatever you're wrestling with, whatever sin has beset you, Whatever resistance there seems to be in your prayers, whatever failing you think, even if you think, I'm finding it hard to believe there is a God. I don't know how I'm ever going to break through that. There's no point. In it. There is every point because all you need to do is to come to him and say, God, I can't do it. But we don't like to humble ourselves. We don't like to humble ourselves. We like to manage our lives. We like to do it in our strength. But we can't do it in our strength. We need him. So if there's been one message that's been impressed upon me, it is that. We can't do anything without him. We need him. And we need him to lead us. We need him to help us. But the good news is, that's what he's waiting for. That's what he wants to do. He wants to come and to make himself a living reality. He wants to come to you wherever you live. In your times of meeting with him, he wants to make himself known to you because he loves you and he cares for you. You know, it reminds me of that situation of my, when you have children, you love your children. As soon as they appear, it's like, what, what happened in me that this screaming object that poos every now and again, I feel so attached to? What is it? It's that love that you have for a child is incredible. But everybody who has children or has connection with children, family members and that, you know within yourself, even when they're naughty, you still love them. I, I know you sometimes get out of my sight, but this, that, that connection you have has not broken. As they grow up and they grow up, they do different things, sometimes more annoying things but you still love them the same. Please understand, it's the heart of the Father towards you.
No matter how much you have sinned, no matter how much you rebel or fight against him, the heart of the Father is that he loves you. It doesn't mean to say that he doesn't want to bring you through circumstances to help you to change, to help you to see, to help you to realize that you need to stop doing that, to bring you to a new place. He does all that sort of work. But the heart of the Father is that he has chosen you, he has called you, and that he loves you, and he is for you, and wants to raise you up. So let us never forget, the heart of the Father is that he is over your life, and he is desperately seeking and waiting for you to open your heart, to say, Lord, I can't do it. If only we could learn to come to that place more quickly, I can't do it. Lord, please, will you come? And then we have to grow in the trust and learning of him to help us, but that's for another week. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.